All right. So we are kicking off this year with a series called We Are Church. And I just want to tell you guys, I'm excited. I'm pumped to be back. Like, this is some of my favorite things to do, is to kind of learn and grow with you guys and to be able to teach for you guys and be up here. And this summer was a lot of fun, but I did kind of miss this. So I'm glad that we're back together. I'm glad that we get to enjoy some of this time together. And uh, I wanted to be able to kind of start with something that will help better establish us, okay? So why not a series about the church? And I think that there's probably in this room a lot of different understandings or definitions of the church or what church means. So this is where I need some, uh, I need some help. I want, I want to hear from you guys. When I say what is the church or what is church, what comes to mind? And this can be anything like you can think that it's a completely wrong answer. That's okay. I just kind of want to hear what you guys are thinking. So when I say what is church or what is the church, what do you think? Two or more Christians together. I like that. That's good. Nice. What else? Anything. Body of believers. Body of believers. Nice. What else? Fellowship. Fellowship. Sweet. I like it. What else? Anybody else? Not a building. Not a building. Yeah. That's Pastor Rick would say that. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Anybody else? No? Huh? So it's funny that that's the one that we end on because... I think, and I want to be honest because I would raise my hand for this. When you say, I'm going to church or I'm going to the church, who thinks the building? Like, just by a show of hands. Like, I do 100%. Yeah. Like, when I come, when I'm texting Sydney, when I'm texting my wife and, like, she's asking me where I'm at, I'll probably say the church because it's the place where I work. It's the place where I'm at most of the time during the week. Like, I'll just say the church. And she'll know that I mean Redemption Chapel, right? And there's probably some others of us that have different, like, preconceived notions or ideas of what church is. And I'm sure that there's some of us that probably think church looks like this, right? Like, high ceilings and, like, stained glass windows and really beautiful with some artwork and things like that on the walls. Uh, you pro- maybe some of you grew up going to a church that was kind of like this, and you went in and got some water splashed on your face and maybe ate some styrofoam and then tried to, like, stay awake before lunch kind of thing. Like, you probably, maybe some of you came from that. Others of you, and this is where I started going when I was growing up, maybe think of something like this, like that small church down the road that's got like 100 or 200 people at it kind of thing. There's like pews or like benches or like those chairs. And it's usually like you have to go and your mom would make you wear a tie and you'd have to show up and you'd have to like sit there and like have to like listen to this guy talk and talk. And then finally you kind of get to leave and go play video games afterwards. That not speaking from experience, um, but that maybe you think of that, or maybe you think of a church like this, like Redemption Chapel, right? Like it's a big church. There's a lot of people that come on a Sunday. Um, it's a place where uh, you can go and you can kind of listen to music and worship with music when they take the risk of putting a drum on stage, you know, like, or uh, their pastor goes up there and sits with like a, a t-shirt, jeans, and some Converse kind of thing and teaches from the pulpit, you know. Sounds familiar, right? Maybe that's what you think of church. That's the, other, that's the church that I uh, often associate with when I think of like what really cool and what good church looks like. But it's different for all of us when it comes to what the building or what that meeting time looks like. Now, some of you guys express that the church, though, is not a building or that it's elements of other things, and that's it. That's true. That the church is not what the place we're at or it's not relegated to the place that we're at. 
Instead, it is ultimately the place where we are going to go and we're going to be together with other people. And if we look in places like the New Testament, we see that there was not always necessarily an organized building, but it was the place where everybody would go and be together with other believers. And so what I want to look at through this series and what I want to kind of establish as we kind of look at We Are Church is what it looks like for us to be a part of the church, to be a part of this group of people. And ultimately, that's where it starts, is that we are a group of people. And what does that look like? Where does that come from? Where does that, where is that established from? And we have to see that we are part of something special, And ultimately, it starts with the fact that we are a chosen people. We are a chosen people. This is something that is significant. There's weight that comes with this. When we think that we are a chosen people, we have to see that we are given something distinct, that we have a distinct call, that we're giving a special designation, that ultimately we have a special position because of who we are or the group that we are a part of. That ultimately our job and what our day-to-day life looks like is special. It's significant. We're part of a chosen people. And it all starts from this passage that I want us to look at in 1 Peter. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme. So this passage starts out talking about the fact that we are a unique group. We're a chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. And that's significant. To say that we are a royal priesthood is a big deal. And that comes from the Old Testament. That comes from something before the church was even established that we're talking about the priesthood. And see, the priests, they were people that had a special job. They had a special role in Israel. And what they would do is they would take part. They would be the ones that would help with sacrifices. They would be the ones that would be able to communicate with God. That if other people wanted to communicate with God, they would go to the priest so that they were able to communicate with him. They even had a special role with the high priest on the Day of Atonement. And if you were here with us uh, last year, we talked all about atonement. We talked a lot about that. If you ever want to hear some of those, Pastor Austin actually had a great message during that series that's on our Spotify. I would really encourage you to listen to that. But they had a role to play in that time when it looked like to be saved, to be redeemed. Those people that were ultimately, their sins and their sacrifices were going to be used to be able to clean them. That priest had a role in that. And now as we look at a role in the church, We are a part of that too. That we are a part of the priesthood. That if you are in this room, if you are a believer, if you follow Christ, if you've committed your life to follow God, you are a part of that priesthood. And that is a big deal. That's a big role. That is something that you are representing. I want you to think about it like this I don't really like sports. 
So that's going to kill it for some of you in this room, I know. But uh, I don't really like sports. I do like football, and I love watching the Browns. I watch the Browns all the time, all right? How about this past Sunday? What, what, what Allison, why are you thumbs downing? Boo. Stop. Okay, never mind. See, yeah, yeah, thank you, all right, yeah. Um, the, yeah, I am not a huge baseball fan, but I like the Guardians. I like to go Guardians games. This is what I'm going to be honest with you, and there's, I, I know for a fact there's even some of my small group leaders that are not going to be happy. I don't like basketball. I don't get it. I don't understand why you guys like it. Like, I don't understand the running, the back and forth. I don't get it. I just, I can't wrap my head around it. But I've been to enough Cavs games because to root for the Cavs and to love the Cavs. And ultimately, when they were on top, you know, I definitely would sport the LeBron jersey. I had no idea what was happening half the time when that was going on, but I still wore the LeBron jersey. And the reason I tell you all that is because when I was wearing that jersey, I was not representing a sport. I was representing a team, right? Or when I think about the Cavs, when I think about Guardians, when I think about the Browns, they are all part of a city. They all represent Cleveland, and I love Cleveland. If you know me, I, I love Cleveland. But it's, it's the promised land, right? That's what I'm talking about. I love it, yeah. Uh, and I love Cleveland, so I love for, so what those teams represent. So I could have no idea what's happening in basketball, but I will root for the Cavs. Think about that now in terms of what your role looks like as a priesthood, as priesthood of believers, that you are always wearing that jersey. You're always wearing this jersey of being part of the priesthood, that you're always wearing this jersey of representing God, of representing God's people. And so when we're with the Gentiles, air quotes, Gentiles, primarily what that means is people that aren't believers. When you're with people that aren't believers, then they're going to see you as part of that priesthood, as part of God's chosen people. You're wearing that jersey. You don't take that jersey off when you leave on Tuesday nights. You don't take that jersey off when you leave church on Sunday mornings. You wear that all the time because you are a part of a chosen people. And that's a big deal. You're representing something greater than yourself. And there's some of you that might really want to take that jersey off when you are done at next, or when you're done on Sunday morning. And I can tell you right now, that's not how it works. We have to hold ourselves to that higher standard. We have to see that we are a part of that priesthood, that it is significant that we are a part of a chosen people. All right? But because we are part of a chosen people, God's chosen people are loved by God. And I did that on purpose because I wanted the emphasis that they are loved by God. So like I said before, God's people, that was something that was established in the Old Testament. Before the church even existed. Israel, Judah, that was part of God's people. That was God's people. That you were a part of God's people if you were a part of Israel. And there were some exceptions here and there, but ultimately they usually end up being a part of Israel in the end. And when we see that, we have to see that what God has done for his people in Israel is a promise. It is a covenant that's given to them. Here's some passages I want you guys to see. It says, You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by. So the people pass by whom you have purchased. That God has given us that love. He's given us the opportunity to be his chosen people. That we get to be a part of that. It's a beautiful picture. 
This is what Isaiah says. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her, and your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. Talking about what this future looks like, of this beautiful picture of what God is going to do with his people. And he's ultimately looking at Israel and Judah and the combining and what that love looks like. There's one more in Hosea. This one's a little different, but we'll get to it in a sec. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. That Israel was proclaimed to be a part of God's children, of his people. I want to tell you right now that that is what it looked like for Israel. That's what it looked like for Judah. But because of Jesus, because of his fulfillment on the cross, because of what he's done for those covenants, there is now a new covenant that is no longer something that is just restricted by where you were born or what people that you belong to originally, but now you can be adopted in. This is what Paul says in Romans. In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also the Gentiles, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people, and her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. In the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. We get a unique opportunity to be a part of God's people. That because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we get the same love, we get the same affection, we get to be called children of God if we choose to follow Christ, if we get to be, if we choose to be with him. That we get these same promises, we receive these same promises, and it is a beautiful picture of what it looks like for people to be adopted into that family for us to be a part of what God has for us, to be a part of a greater narrative, to be a part of this picture of Christ, to be a part of this picture of his body. And it's an amazing thing. And so the church now was established because of what Israel had been promised before, that we get to receive some of these same promises of love and of care. Paul, he's quoting that passage from Hosea to show that we get what they got that we get to be a part of this chosen people and we get to be loved just the same. And so what I want to ask then is what do we do with our priesthood? What do we do if we truly are a priesthood, if we truly are a holy people that are set apart, that distinctly represent God and that are loved affectionately by God? What does that look like? Well, the first thing I want us to take is that we don't take it lightly. I want you to see kind of the weight that comes with this, the reality that comes with this. I already talked a little bit about that jersey analogy, but to represent that jersey is not like representing a city. It's representing God, the creator God, the God that gave us life, the God that gave us the opportunity to come back to him even though we had sinned. That we have been given this hope in something greater. And so when you go out, 
when you go, whether you are in class, whether you go out and party, whether you go out to uh, like hang out with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, whether you work and you're going to work, or whether you're going to hang out with your significant other, or you're going to hang out with your friends, wherever that may be, you have to be aware that you are always wearing that jersey. And if you are wearing that jersey and somebody sees you do something that is completely against what God has called you to do, that immediately reflects what they're going to see of God and what they're going to think of God. You have to go into these situations knowing and remembering you are a part of that and that people will know that. People will know that. The next thing is to remember the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't talk about this much, mostly because I didn't have a lot of time. But if you are a believer, if you are following Christ, you have been given the Holy Spirit. That is God with you so that you are able to go out to talk to the world, to be with the world, but also have the wisdom that God is going to provide you. That you are not going to, you're not going to hold perfectly to him because we still mess up, we're still messy people, but you now have a greater wisdom. You have somebody that's at your back, you have God with you. And when the, first church, when the, when the church first started, there was something called Pentecost in Acts, and that's when the Holy Spirit, he came down and he indwelled with believers, that he indwelled with the church. And it was this amazing moment of God going to be with his people, that he was going to guide and to push his people in the right direction, to go out to the nations, to tell others about Jesus, to tell others about God and the sacrifice that he has given. You guys have the Holy Spirit too. If you are a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And you're gifted in different ways. And I'm not going to talk about this for too long because just in the past few sermons, our pastors have hit that on Sunday mornings, and I would encourage you to go hit, listen to some of those, especially Pastor Austin's from Sunday. But you are all gifted in different ways. God has gifted you in different ways. Whether you are gifted in um, going, helping out in kid zone, teaching for the first, the first graders, you know? Or maybe you're cutting donuts on Sunday morning, or maybe you're standing at the doors with our first impressions team. Maybe you are just around to kind of help clean up things. Maybe you are leading a small group. Maybe you are just a part of kind of being in community and being with these community groups and helping support and run those. But we're all gifted in different ways, and God has given us the Holy Spirit because we are a part of the same body. We're a part of the same body that is going to build one another up. And that gives me to the last point, is to connect with the rest of the church. Some of you I know come to church here on Sunday mornings. See, I said church here on Sunday mornings. Come to this building and come be with the body here uh, on Sunday mornings. Some of you don't. Some of you go to other churches. I think there's probably some of you guys that just don't go to church at all. This is not the church. I mean, it is. But it's not the only part of the church. There is the rest of the church that is, some are younger than you and some are older than you. And you've been gifted and given the ability and the opportunity to be with the rest of the church. So I want to push you and I want to encourage you to go and connect with them, whether it's through a community group. Honestly, if you find a team to serve on, that's a great way to get to know people too. Maybe it's like volunteering with KidZone or volunteering with youth ministry. If you want to do that, talk to me. I would love to do that with you. There's so many different ways, but don't just be a part of Tuesday nights. There is much more to the church than just Tuesday nights. I love that you guys are here, and I want you to come back every Tuesday because I want to see you, and I want to be with you, and I want to learn and grow and worship with you, but I don't want you to think that this is your church, that this is the only time to worship. There is the rest of the church that meets on Sundays and throughout the week. Be with them. 
connect with them. So I hope that this is a good jumping off point. I hope this is a good point to see that we are a part of a chosen people, that we're part of a greater nation. And as we continue, we're going to start to look more and more at different qualities of the church and different important aspects of the church. And Pastor Sean, he's going to come next week. He's going to talk about teaching and why teaching is important. We're going to talk about community. We're going to talk about serving, many other things. These are all facets of what it looks like to be a part of the body. And I want us to see the weight that comes with that. All right? So I'm going to pray for us, and then you guys are going to go ahead and go into some small groups in a minute here. All right? So if you guys bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for all the people in this room. I thank you for the opportunity that we get to learn more about you, to grow closer to your son, and ultimately to see what it looks like to be a part of the body, see what it looks like to be a part of the greater church, and ultimately that we can glorify you through that. I thank you for that. In your name I pray, amen.